right. Is God not good? There we go. You're a little bit fired up this morning with what God's doing. Well, I'm excited that you've joined us again today. Um, I'm going to continue in that series, Choosing Your Journey, um, today, because I I think, you know, if we look around, how many of y'all better ever been frustrated with choices you made? (laughs) Yeah, we we can laugh about some of those now, can't we? and last week we started this, we started discussing how we have to choose the right values. When we don't choose what's valuable, what's most valuable, we'll let other things that aren't as important overtake our mind, overtake our thoughts, overtake where we head. And so we challenged ourselves and says, if I want to follow Jesus, guess what? He gets to decide what that looks like. I don't get to decide how I want to follow Jesus. Jesus has written it out in Scripture pretty plainly. He says, follow me. He doesn't say, you know, find your own thing and just go however you want to. You know, meet me over. He doesn't say, meet me here. He says, follow me, and I'll get you there the best way for the best outcome for your life. Why? Because I created you. I love you. I want what's best for you. And if any of you guys are parents, I can guarantee you all want what wanted what was best for your children. Did they always listen? Do you realize that you are that child? Because God has also done the same thing to us. And guess what? I know the outcome of this. And if you do it, it's not going to be good. But we're like, no, no, God, I got this. And then we get through it. And it's like, okay, that didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And God's like, I got you, though. I'm your father. And so we choose him. We choose to value what God values. We choose to make those decisions based on who he is. Because last week as we were talking is if we want to live a life that God created us for, we have to follow him. We have to listen to him. We have to say, okay, it's not about what I want, God. It's about what you said. Because at the end of the day, God didn't make us all puppets. Remember, we talked about that last week. God could have. You know, he could have created us and just said, love me. And we would have had to love him. We wouldn't have had a choice. But is there any real love without choice? Is there any real reward without a risk? And so God said, I want you to choose to follow me. I want you to choose to love me. Why? Because then I know your heart's really in it. If I, and and again, as parents, we've all made our kids do things that they didn't want to. Just saying, it's what we do as parents. Sometimes we have to. Did they like it? Not always. So if God was to create us that way, wouldn't it be the same outcome? We would hold resentment. God wants us to freely love him. To freely give everything we have to him. Because God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. But it's not automatic. We can miss it if we're not following him. See, we're, as we finished up last week, we decided we're free to choose good or bad, right or wrong, success or failure. I get to choose how to use my time. I get to choose how to use my money. I get to choose what I eat and drink. But the only thing I'm not free from is the consequences of those choices. If I choose to go to McDonald's every day, I can go to the gym five days a week. I'm still not going to get any healthier. Because the consequences of my diet are like 85% of lifting. Your diet has more to do with, with building and getting in shape than just going to the gym. 
So there's choices that we stack. Remember a few months ago we talked about habit stacking and how one habit, if we stack another habit on top of it, they keep building. And that's what we need to do as we follow Jesus to say, guess what, I know the consequences of this choice probably aren't going to be my best outcome. And it might not be a bad thing. But are we willing to put off what's better for what's best? We have to think about that for a second. We saw how we needed to choose to refuse to let culture define us. Because if we don't pick what's valuable and we don't let God define us, we will let anyone or anything define us. Too often we let our jobs define us. You know, somebody asks who you are, and especially if you're in a, in a professional field, and I, and I can fit in that. I, I, you can ask anybody that knows me or I've introduced myself to. I never introduced myself as a pastor. couple of reasons. First one is I want them to see my life before they hear my title. Being a pastor is what I do. It's not who I am. And see, being a Christian is just the natural outcome of who you're becoming. It's not, it's not something to do. The second reason I don't do it is because anybody, like I can guarantee Emo will giggle at this one. The minute they hear you're a pastor, they're like, oh, sorry about what I just said. All of a sudden, we changed the temple where their voice changes. The, it, it is just hilarious when they find out you're a pastor because apparently you've never heard any of those words. And so we, we choose to def- let God define who we are. We're going to keep our eye on the prize and say, guess what? We know at the end of the day we get to go to heaven. The stuff I'm facing today does not compare to what I'm going to see in heaven and what Jesus has already done for me. The stuff I'm going through doesn't compare to what Jesus went through for me to get to heaven. And so I'm going to keep my eye on that prize and say, guess what? At the end of the day, you know, I'm going to keep my weather my eye on the weather horizon and say, guess what? At the end of the day, I know I'm going to cross that horizon and I'll get to be with Jesus forever. So I can go through whatever I'm going through today. But we have to be willing to let God do his work in his timing as long as he wants to, to grow into that person. And some of us get a little jumpy. I want it now. Which is probably why that one commercial is so cool. It's my money, I want it now. And if you've ever had kids, mine, I want it now. Me, a couple days ago, why can't you fix this now, God? It's just maturing. (laughs) I'm not totally mature yet. I still have my days. And then we decided, you know, to truly become a disciple means we choose what God values and not what culture does. We may, I made a statement last week, and I hope it all kind of stuck with you a little bit, that when you let, when you look for man to lift you up, God never can. But when you look for God to lift you up, man has no choice. See, Moses, when we talked about Moses, didn't choose and he didn't want to lead Israel out of Egypt. He came up with a bunch of excuses of why he didn't want to do it. But guess what? He surrendered and let God lift him up. And even when people complained about him, Israel still followed him because God lifted Moses up. Moses didn't lift Moses up. And our challenge as we finished off last week was what choices are you going to make to be where you want to be tomorrow? I hope you guys wrote that down. I hope you guys thought about that. I hope you meditated on that all week. Is as every day you, you looked at those choices and you sat down and you thought about them and say, okay, what choice do I need to make to become a better husband tomorrow?
What choice do I need to make to be a better parent tomorrow? What choice do I need to make today to be a better employee tomorrow? See, all those things matter because everywhere you go in life, you are representing what you say you believe. And am I representing the Jesus I say I serve when I'm going to those places? And those are all based on our choices of what we value. And see, we, we decided that His love far outweighs anything else. We have to believe that. It has to be in your belly. It has to be something that you can't get rid of. So that kind of brings me to today's message. As we started off on our journey, we're going to choose those values that are important to God. Not the things that the world says are important. Not the things that our friends say are important. And most of the time, not even the things that we think are important. How many of you guys all have to have a clean dish sink? You, know, you, don't, you can't have dishes in your sink. It drives you absolutely nuts. See, me, do not care about that one bit. I am from the thought process of that if you come in to see me, I live here. There's going to be a mess. If you come in to see my house, make an appointment and I'll clean it for you. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's not a pigsty or anything like that. There are just things to me, people are more valuable to me than things are. I, I am bad with that, I guess. Again, my house, I don't care. It's four walls with a roof I get to live in with my family. The family is the important part, not where it's at. I told my wife when we sold our house and we're looking for a place because we were homeless, I said, I will live in a cardboard box if my kids and my wife are there because that's what's important to me, not the house I live in. Because houses can burn down, can't they? We can sell and buy houses if we want to. But your family never leaves. Your family is with you forever. No matter what you're going through in your family, guess what? They're still your family. So that's how I raised my kids. I said, friends are going to come and go. Lots of things are going to come and go. But your family, your brother, your sister, your mom, and your dad, we are always going to be here for you. No matter what. Why? Because that's what's important. And now you guys, as, we, as I took over be, becoming a pastor, it's like, guess what? You guys are important to me. What goes on in your life, and it's why I'm so passionate about some of this stuff, is, is I care what's going on in your life. I want to see God move in your life, and you get it, and, and you become joyful, and you become happy, and you're like, hey, I just, I can't contain this anymore. And all of a sudden, you just puke up on somebody and say, this is what God's done. I, it's like you couldn't hold it anymore. But the problem we have is, I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Say you all went on a game show and you won a, a cool prize to some exotic island. And you're all excited, you jump on the plane, you get to that exotic island and they drop you off. You, weren't, you didn't get a chance to pre-plan it. You get there and you have to figure things out. Because what are you going to do? You didn't have a chance to think about that. Where are you going to go? What are you going to see? See, we all pretty much have four options when that happens. The first option is you can just get out that plane and start wandering. I've done that in Chicago when we went out there. I'm like, no real plan, but let's just start walking and seeing what we can find. Now, I will tell you that is tiring because you are pretty much, you have no idea where you're going. You're just walking down streets and you're, hey, that's kind of cool. Let's keep walking because we have no idea where we're at. The second way, thing you can kind of do is you could get a map. 
You can find a map of the city or a map of the area and say, okay, hey, this is what's in this area. This is what we can go see. Hey, that looks cool. Let's put that on our thing to go. But we still have to figure out how to get there at that point, right? Well, the last time I was in Chicago, I was blessed because Shelly was living there at that time. And so we were able to get on the bus and go to places we always had to walk to because we never knew what bus to take. And she's like, no, you get on this bus, then we get off this, and we walk over here, and we get on this bus. And let me tell you what, I wasn't near as tired when I got to the bean as I was when I walked the whole way. Why? Because I had a guide. I had a guidebook and a guide, somebody who could help me find my way through this thing called life. This thing through this thing. And so I found a personal guide. See, all of these things have their advantages and disadvantages because I found the House of Blues just wandering around. Now, if any of you all know me, I love blues music. It's, it's, it's awesome. I think it's like we should do blues Christian music. Um, I don't know if it fits, but it, it, um, Todd Agnew actually did a bluesy CD with Christian music. And I'm like, I love how the guitar just speaks. And again, that I go off on a tangent on that one because I just love the, the sound of that when it, when it's playing. But I found it, and I'm like, hey, let's go take pictures, and let's go in and check this out. I didn't even know where it was. We had walked within a block of it like seven times because I didn't know it was there. I was just wandering. So that's a disadvantage, but the advantage is that you can find some cool stuff. But I believe having a guide familiar with the area is the best option so that your time is used wisely. See, you, you don't just wander around aimlessly and you don't have to struggle to follow directions to find someplace. You simply ask for advice. The second habit I did in a devotional this morning as I started a new devotional on setting up habits, the second thing they talked about today, the A in habits, is to ask for help. See, we're a culture that's too proud to ask for help anymore. Because we got it all figured out. All we got to do is say, hey, Siri tell me this. Hey, Google, you have the answer for this. WebMD, you can tell me everything that's possibly wrong with me. Just, there it is. I've got that, that I am dying. Instead of going and asking a real person, we think we can figure out life. Watch a YouTube video, learn how to fix it. That's why in most garages, if you go to nowadays, they tell you they will charge you extra if you try to fix it first because you went to YouTube and you have no idea what you're doing. Some things, great, yes, do not hear me wrong. It is a great thing, but we've overused it today and forgot that we have a guide that wants to walk us through life. We have a guide that wants to personally come alongside of you. You don't have to drift through life. You don't have to take it as it comes. You don't have to follow what's most popular. You don't have to follow what most of the popular people are doing. It's probably the most frustrating way to live when you do that. Why? Because everything always changes. How many of y'all know who are older, what was popular in your day isn't popular today? You still think it should be, but it ain't. And I hate to break this to you youngins, guess what? In 20 years, what you think is the coolest thing ever is going to be one of the dumbest things ever in 20 years. Because they change. What the world values and sees as important changes with the times because they don't follow a God who never changes. See, they go to and fro. The world has plenty of maps. 
to happiness, do they not? Go to a bookstore. Look at the self-help section. In most stores, it takes up a quarter of the bookstore. But yet, we will buy books for 12 steps to happy me. Be the best you today. Take a pill. Look this way. Go to this party. Have these people around you. If you want to succeed, do these 12 things. They're all over the place. The world has a ton of roadmaps. But I want, I want to encourage you today to understand that it's not about self-help. It's not about self-success. It's not about selfie lifestyle, which there's a reason they're called selfies because everything in the world is about self nowadays. It is about selfless surrender to the one who created the universe, created you, knows your innermost parts, has weaved you in your mother's womb, and has loved you beyond anything you could imagine by sending his son to die on a cross for you just because he said you're that important. See, none of you guys this morning are mistakes. None of you guys are outside of God's love. Jesus chose, while we were yet sinners, to come and die for us. Somebody's calling me. Who is it? They can go on our podcast. Um, But see, what God has done is taken the things that the world says is important and tells you, I've given you a guidebook. I've given you a guide. I've given you true, I want to give you true joy. I want to give you true peace. And that guidebook is found in His Word. We need his Bible. We got to get back to a time of reading his word. Instead of saying, what was that verse? And we Google it. I say, okay, I'm just going to read that verse. That's all I needed. Thank you, Jesus. We read his word. We hear from him. We get into his word. I've got a study Bible at home and I have got a, a read Bible one that doesn't have all my studies in it. And then I do, guess what? I do read on my phone too. But that's his guidebook. If you want to figure out life, follow the creator of it. And what does he say? What does God say about life? What does God say about you? What does God say about your life? And then he not only gave us his guidebook, he sent the Holy Spirit to be in us to be our personal guide. If we read the Bible, it says all Scripture is God-breathed, right? So all Scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. I've told you guys before, and I truly believe it, I can teach you anything given enough time. Astrophysics. Taking enough time, we can teach and learn that. I cannot explain God's Word to you any better than the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you what His written Word says. I can guarantee I can pull five of you guys out of here right now. We can all read the same verse and it's going to mean five different things because we're all in different places with our walk with God. It's called the living Word of God because guess what? As you grow, if you're still reading it today like you were reading it five years ago, I'm I'm going to step on some toes here. You ain't growing. And I don't know today, I've read through the Bible a couple of times, but today I still find things in my Bible that I know were not there before. I'm like, what version did I get this time? Where did this verse come from? 
Or he reveals something else to me. Because I go back to some of the stuff when I first got saved. And, I, and today, I'm like, man, I was an idiot. That does not mean that. That's what I needed at that time. God grows us because his Holy Spirit reveals these things to us. But we got to get into his word to get it. It's why he says, you know, when we read his word, how many of you guys ever had this happen to you where you did a devotional one morning and all of a sudden you went to work and somebody's struggling with something and all of a sudden that verse you just read this morning all of a sudden just pops out of your mouth and you're like, where did that come from? It's because you were in his word, because you were spending time with him so he could give you wisdom to share. See, Jesus never gives us anything for us. He gives it to give to others. Because he loves them just as much as he loves you. So the wisdom he gives us and the wisdom the Holy Spirit wants us to have is so we can go out and help other people. And as he gives us the Holy Spirit, he says, remember in John 16, 17, in John 16, 7, it says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now remember, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, I got to go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, if I'm one of those disciples, I'm like, slow your roll, Jesus. Why you got to leave? I mean, I'm getting to walk with the Son of Man. I'm seeing 5,000 people fed. I'm seeing people getting healed. I'm seeing people who are apparently dead coming back to life. And he, I mean, again, I, my favorite saying with that is Jesus ruined every funeral he ever went to. Nobody stayed dead around Jesus. And he, he's like, hey, I got to go away. I'd be like, uh-uh, I love walking with you, Jesus. I mean, how many really would have wanted Jesus to leave? I wouldn't have. Just being honest. Because Jesus was, but here's what we have to remember is Jesus was here in a physical body. Meaning he could only be in one place at one time. With all the world hurting, he couldn't reach the world at that point because he was restricted. And he restricted himself to that physical body. He says, I'm going to go away though. And I'm going to send my spirit. See, we have to remember the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. And so when Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit, he meant himself back to us so that he could be everywhere at all times, help everyone, not just a few people who had heard stories about him, that they would travel miles. Now, yes, if Jesus was around today, I would be booking a flight to go hang with him. And I would be scratching and clawing to try to get near him. But he said, no, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to be with you. So Jesus basically said, here's the deal. If I go back, I can send him. He said, my spirit will be in you. He will live in you. He will live around you. So when we come to Jesus, we get Jesus in us. We get the Father in us. And we get his spirit in us. One God. Remember, we got to remember that. He's one God. And Jesus says in John 14, 16 through 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads to all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now 
and later will be in you. Now remember, Jesus was with them at the time he was saying this to them. He said, so the Holy Spirit is with you now, but when I go away, he's going to be living in you. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. See, I'm sure just like most parents or just a, you know, or take an infant. As I saw Shelly stand up to go walk because I'm thinking she hears her daughter. Uh, <laughs> think about any infant as we're infants to God. When, when the father or mother leave, what does an infant do? They get scared. They get nervous. They, they get whiny. Well, when Jesus was getting ready to leave, I think that's kind of what the disciples were feeling. Okay, if you leave, what's going to happen? If you're not here with us, how are we going to make it? He says, guess what? I'll go to the Father, and He'll send you my Spirit. He'll send you an advocate. He'll send you a comforter. He'll send you the Prince of Peace to live in you. And see, when we read these verses, we see that the Holy Spirit is our helper and that he leads us into all truth. Now, we've beat this one, and I'm probably going to beat it till the day I die, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So when, the, when his word says the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into all truth, it means he's going to lead you to a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ because he is the truth. Yeah, that deserves an amen right there. He's going to lead you to Jesus. He's going, to, he's going to take you on a journey that you never thought existed. See, as we do this, we have to learn to let the Holy Spirit lead our lives. We have to choose our guide wisely. Again, the world has a ton of guides, don't they? We call them influencers on social media nowadays. And they're popular. They are guiding the next generation. Do you think about it? Is that the guide we want for the next generation? We have, again, guides change, influencers change. They're popular one minute, the next minute, they're non existent. Jesus never changes. He says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever is a really long time. And just like I joked right there, and I actually have it in my notes, when you first meet someone, you're not sure of their voice, are you? But as parents, in a room of screaming kids, you will hear your kid. Just saying, as you spend more time with God, you will learn to hear His voice so He can lead you. That's why we need to spend time with Him. That's why we need to get into His Word. We need to dial that frequency. And again, some of y'all too young to remember the old dial radios where you had to have it just right. Or it went, go back just a little bit. And we had to dial that thing in. Well, following God is the same thing. we got to dial that frequency in, and we dial that frequency in by getting into His Word. We dial that frequency in by coming to church. We dial that frequency in by worshiping. We dial that frequency in by getting with other believers. And the, the more we do that, because I've had that question asked multiple times, how do I hear God's voice? 
First, you've got to spend time with him. And he's not, in most cases, he's not going to shout. In some cases, he will. In most cases, he wants to whisper. And I love the thought process that if I whisper to somebody, what do they have to do? Yeah, you got to get a little closer, don't you? That's why I bring my voice up and down when I'm talking. So you guys have, I can't, you guys can't just sit back like this, like I'm blowing your head off. But you have to lean in a little bit. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to whisper to draw you in. Because he wants that intimate, loving relationship with you. And so, you know, another way to look at that is for you that are married. See, back when I started dating, we didn't have caller ID. I know that's a long time ago for you youngins. What is that? No caller ID? I can't just ignore somebody? No, we had no idea who was calling. We had to actually memorize phone numbers. I know, I was horrible. I can still remember my phone number when I was growing up. 218-496-5764. Why? I have no idea. I haven't lived there in 40 years. Well, not quite that long, 35. But I can still remember it, see? So we had to do that. But I guarantee when Christy calls today, I don't need to call her ID when I pick up the phone and say hello and she says hello on the other end of the line. I know who it is. Because we spent time together. Right? That's how it gets with God. That's how it gets. And that's how He can lead you when you start to hear His voice and you start to hear what He has to say. So I want to quickly just give you six ways the Holy Spirit wants to guide your life. Okay? The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is He wants to help you know what you need to know. It says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need. The second thing He wants to do is He wants to get you where you need to go. He not only wants you to know what you need to know, but He wants to help you get there. And we have to remember the story in the Acts of the Apostles, 8.29, where it says the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside that carriage. Now, I don't know if you all read that story, but again, it's found in Acts 8. Go ahead and read that story. Philip is, is in revival in his church. Philip is going, I mean, things are going great. His church is blowing up. And God says, now nah, it's time for you to go. I'd be like, uh-uh, God, I'm enjoying this time in life. This is a celebration. And God says, no, you got to go. And, you, and Philip's like, okay, fine. And he, uh, he didn't act like that. He just left. And he, he starts walking, nowhere to go. Didn't know where he was going. And God said, then said, go over by this carriage. In fact, he said, run after it and catch it. And this Ethiopian dude's reading. And he's like, who is, what, what is this talking about here? Says the lamb who was slain. Who is it? And Philip introduces him to it because he followed what God said. Go there. He, the Holy Spirit will help you say the right things. Matthew 10, 19, and 20 says, When you are arrested, don't worry about how you are to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So instead of worrying about when you invite people to church, worrying about how you're going to invite them, just pray that God gives you the words to say at the right time to help that person to where they're at. Because He will give you the words you need to say. Then the fourth one, which is probably the hardest, is we have to wait for God's perfect timing. Again, we want it done now, He says, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. We don't push it. We don't try to get through it faster. We say, okay, God, this is your time. I will take the time to walk through this desert because you are doing something in me that has to happen here so I'm ready when I get on the other side to be fully equipped to do your work. That's what his word says. When you've gone through this stuff, you will be fully equipped to do what he, every good work. 
The fifth thing is we have to resist things that we normally can't resist. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you, you will not carry out the desires of your flesh for the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Now that one for our today's culture is horrible. They don't like it because they all want to do what they want to do when they want to do it because it makes them happy. Hate to break it to you, it never is going to work out. Sixth one, the Holy Spirit wants to help you avoid dangers and mistakes. And I'm going to finish up quick this morning because I'm out of time. I have you guys come forward. I'm going to give you six steps real quick on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. The first way is what we're going to do right here. We're going to pause and be quiet. We're going to pause and listen to what God has to say. The second thing is we're going to humbly ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. The third thing is we're going to be willing to do what the Holy Spirit says. The fourth way the Spirit wants to help lead us, or will lead us, is when we look to God's Word. And when we look to God's Word, we'd be willing to do what it says. He will guide us if we just remain quiet. See, when it talks about in the Bible a lot of times, be still or wait upon the Lord, it's not a sit-and-do-nothing word. It's an actively listening to what God has to say and going and doing it. The fifth thing is we have to expect his guidance in faith. Even though, as Shelley read this morning in Scripture, he's a light unto our our path and a, our lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have to remember God may just give us a little bit the first time and just be that lamp that's going to show us to take the next step. But God also, when you ask that, may light that path up. And you got to be willing to walk down that road. Again, coming to Rice as a pastor to help Emil out when he planted this church wasn't on my radar. I had started a prayer room up at a, at a church I was at. And even though I was no longer there, I was still going there every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock to pray. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And that's how this journey started. Because I spent time just seeking his face. And what do you want? It wasn't about that I'm good because I could have went other places. But as Moses said, God, if you don't go before us, I don't want to go.